You're listening to the Active Accounts Podcast, finance podcast for the creative industries, hosted by myself, Andy Williamson. Today, I'm speaking with Steve Watson, founder and director of Stack, a subscription-based magazine distributor based here in the UK that provides a curated selection of indie publications to your door on a monthly basis. Since founding the business back in 2008, Stack has seen remarkable growth and is also known for its highly reputable annual Stack Awards. In addition to its subscription service, Stack opened the doors to its web shop in 2018. And if you find yourself in Bangkok or Hamburg later this year, you might just see Steve popping up to spread the word about Stack and its host of independent publications. In this episode, we speak about the origins of Stack, how Steve circumnavigated the traditional sale or return model to provide immediate value to his customers, and what's next for the business, as well as a host of other topics. I think you'll find whether you're interested in the print industry or not, there are plenty of gems in Steve's story, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. As always, if you do enjoy the podcast, please feel free to leave a review or share with a friend as it really helps us out. Thank you. Do you have anything that comes to mind in terms of like good business stories that potentially uh, would be good to like prompt that you know would be particularly insightful about your business? The biggest sort of like uh, business success for us uh, is the Stack Awards, which um, we launched five years ago and has become like the biggest thing that we do in the year. Um, and has just, it's been really, really good in terms of um, you know, bringing in um, traffic and driving subscriptions and and doing all this stuff that I sort of hoped it would when we when we started it. Could we just start with maybe a little bit about yourself um, for anybody that doesn't know you personally or hasn't come across Stack Magazines yet? Maybe a little bit about your background, career to date. You know, just sort of what brings you to to where you are now. My name is Stephen Watson. Um, I am the founder of Stack, which is uh, a service that I've run for 11 years now. Um, And before that, I was a magazine editor. Uh, I was um, editing uh, in-flight magazines for a company called Inc. Global, um, which is like both really fun and, and kind of boring at the same time because it's really fun. You're like, you're going off to different places and flying around and that's good. But then, you know, the sort of stuff that you're going to get in an in-flight magazine is never going to be, you know, kind of that left of field or or, or kind of challenging. So um, I really started Stack because I was just a bit bored at work. Um, and I had uh, been writing freelance for a few independent magazines, which I'd just sort of stumbled across and, and and started to buy every issue and really enjoyed them. Um, and so I'd, I had this idea that, <clears throat> well, actually, maybe I should, maybe I should go a step back and, and sort of say where the idea came from. Um, okay, so, so, um, so I'd, I'd started writing for um, a few of these independent magazines. Uh, so for example, Little White Lies is a film magazine that's still going now. Um, and I think I came across that on like issue two or three. I think I, I think I first read issue two and then I started writing from issue three. Um, and that was a real kind of, you know, they didn't have money to pay their contributors, but every issue they would have like a 
launch party. Um, and so I got to be really good friends with the people who ran that. And, and like, you know, basically that was my introduction to this whole world of independent magazine publishing. And because I was a little bit bored at work and I was starting to try and come up with an idea to start a business, basically, I, I you know, this was uh, in the mid-2000s when journalism was changing really fast and I was very, very aware that the only thing I could do was write and edit and there were far fewer jobs around for people to just do that. So I, I, I wanted to start something to kind of give myself like an extra string to my bow Um and as I said, I just wanted to do some things that would be interesting as well. And so I started looking for business ideas um, and I came across, um, so there was a, a guy um, whose blog I used to read all the time called Russell Davies. Uh, and he had this uh, blog post about ways to be interesting. And one of his uh, ideas is that you should read a different magazine every week because they are these like constellations of ideas and opinions and, and points of view. Um, and around the same time, my friend's wife bought him a subscription to a t-shirt company where every month he got um, a different uh, t-shirt delivered and he never knew what he was going to get next but he always loved these t-shirts with these like limited edition um, designs on the front and so I just sort of thought like maybe you could marry up those two things of magazines as being a good way of coming across new interesting stuff and just a super simple delivery of something landing on your doormat every month um, and so basically that that's like that's where that came from um, and it was very much a hobby um, to start with. You know, it was a thing that I did in my spare time. I did write a business plan for it before I started, um, which I think, I mean, like it was completely ridiculous. And um, I thought that I was going to make money through selling um, advertising that went in the packs. And, you know, that I now know, I now realise is like a very naive thing to think would have happened. But... I think just the process of writing that helped me to like understand, you know, where could money come from and how could this thing run? So I, you know, I always tell students like, you know, do write a business plan, even if it's not the thing that ends up happening. It's a useful exercise to go through. But I mean, for sure, for like the first five years, if I had needed Stack to be, you know, bringing in a wage or, or like, you know, letting up money for an investor, um, it would just have stopped. So it, it really ran just because I wanted to to do it. But then over that time, I, I gradually, you know, I spent like more and more time on it. So it was like, you know, one day a week, two days a week. And in the end, it was three days a week. Um, and with the other two days a week, I was editorial director at a creative agency by this point. Um, and there just were not enough hours in the week. And then my wife had a baby uh, and then all my like weekends and evenings disappeared. So yeah, I, I basically had to choose. It's, uh, I had to choose either stack or the agency. Um, and the irony is that I started this because I didn't like my job and I I'd ended up with two jobs that I really liked. Um, but I, I had to let one of them go. So for those first few years where you said um, it wasn't making too much money, what was the um, primary like revenue stream at that point? How well, I mean, approaching it, it, it? yeah, it, it's always been subscriptions. Um, the you know, it's, it's the, the same now as it was then, and, and actually, <clears throat> you know, this is why I say the business plan was important because 
you know, the, that made me realise very early on that, you know, if we've got 100 subscribers, then we need to buy 100 magazines. Um, and, you know, as, as long as we're managing to charge people more than we're paying for the magazines, then we'll be broadly okay un, under that system. Um, as I say, I'd, you know, I, I had thought in my business plan, okay, so that's the thing that, you know, just sort of like keeps the wheels turning, but then to really make money to pay myself, um, we'd be selling advertising in the stack packs. Now, I don't know if you know of the Dope Panic um, packs, um, which so like Dope Panic still exists as a website now, but back then it was mainly these uh, brown envelopes that you'd get uh, as you left a club at like sort of three in the morning in London, you'd be handed this Dope Panic pack and it would be full of uh, like flyers for things um, or like, you know, like little sort of like freebies and stuff, but also some really nice like illustrated posters and things like that. So I, I basically thought Stack was going to be a bit like that. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I had not realised that the thing that Panic had is they were distributing like thousands of these things every week. Whereas, I mean, you know, we literally had like a hundred subscribers. So, you know, obviously nobody's going to pay anything more than about 10 quid to reach a hundred subscribers. So as, as I say, re really, you know, the, it was, I went into it, uh, probably like with, you know, a, a fair bit of naivety. And if I'm totally honest, I was just doing it because I wanted to do it. Like the, I, I really love these magazines. Um, I mean, to be honest, back then it was even harder to find them than it is today. The, like there are now a fair number of independent magazine shops that have started around the UK um, just to sell these mags. And I think that's a fantastic sign of, you know, the, the, the way that independent publishing has become so much more visible. Um, but back then it was much, much harder. So I was really, you know, I'd, I'd do the classic thing of like, I'd go out, work all day, get home in the evening, quickly eat something, and then like open my laptop and start again. And, you know, every time there'd be that, just that feeling of like, oh, why am I doing this? Like, the, why am I making myself do this? And then you open an email for some, from someone who's just made this really exciting new magazine and they've seen what we're doing and so they want to talk. And it's like, you know, that's the answer. That's why I'm doing it because there's so much of this really interesting stuff out there, but people just don't know about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that sort of moment of excitement and like, real, like that feeling where you're just really energised reminds you, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I wish they were a little bit more frequent sometimes. <laughs> what, the magazines? No, sorry, yeah, the, the moments. Of, oh, the uh, moments, of, yeah. Of, of clarity yeah. where you're yeah. reminded why you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that's interesting. So basically, uh, because I'm really intrigued by, like, I, obviously, I think we're seeing the subscription model across a variety of industries really take hold. And when I came across Stack, I found the concept really interesting. Um, and so I was going to ask you if there was almost a, a financial or a business. Um, oh, that's me. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, if there was almost a, a business rationale for it in terms of maybe you'd thought about the more traditional, you know, having like an actual shop or a store with stocked magazines versus uh, this. Yeah, was sure. Well, so, so, I mean, in, in the early days... I mean, you know, there, there was just like 
there was no possibility that I'd have a shop with, with magazines in it. You know, the, I, I started this like, you know, absolutely on a shoestring. Um, it, you know, did it all as cheaply and as efficiently as possible with like, you know, calling in favors from friends. So, you know, I mean, the, we, I, I started it with virtually nothing. And, and so obviously to start a shop, you need a, a decent chunk of money um, behind you. Since then, like, you know, now we're kind of, well, we're, we're pretty well established. And, and so one of the things people often ask is, you know, when will we open the stack shop? Um, and honestly, I, I, I'm not interested in doing that. I think partly it's because I live in London and we're very lucky here that we've got a lot of really good magazine shops. So I, I feel like, you know, the, the magazine buyer in London is, is like pretty well catered for. Um, but also having a shop brings with it a bunch of limitations in terms of, um, you know, the, the things that you're able to do, the, the people that you're able to reach out to. And one of the things that I really like about Stack is that we don't have that physical base, the, you know, kind of we could sell and we do sell magazines to people all around the world. Um, and actually by not having the physical side of it, it frees us up to think entirely about what's the best way of communicating these physical print objects on the internet and so that means like you know we have uh, video reviews that we put up where you know I flip through the magazine and, and we'll talk about it to try and give a sense of the physicality of the magazine or we have a podcast series where I speak to people who make the magazine so that you can kind of get the stories behind the stories or you know we do stuff on the on the the blog of putting up uh, kind of editor's guides where uh, an editor will give us sort of like their digested version of the magazine. And all of it is about trying to um, catch someone's attention, tell them what this magazine is about and show them how it might be relevant for them. Um, and so actually what, what we do have now is an online shop. Um, and, you know, the, the aim with that is 100% to be the best place to buy independent magazines on the internet and so you know we like if you go in the shop you'll see that we've got um for every single mag we sell we've got like the the pictures of the magazine so like the cover and some spreads we've got a little blurb of what it's about we've got a sample story list very often we'll have some associated content that we've made so like maybe one of those videos or the podcast or whatever so it's trying to like catch people when maybe they've heard of, maybe they've never heard of the magazine before, but like there's something in it that they're interested in. I want to provide them with everything that they need to know so they can decide whether it's worth buying it and then make it really easy for them to buy it. Um, and that that's the side of it that I'm like really interested in. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I think with Stack from the outside, definitely it feels like such a credible place to purchase a magazine that almost I'm sure you have that consumer trust that what you're curating will be of a certain quality yes exactly that that's really really important um, and, and actually one of the, the nice things that's happened this year so the the shop um came last summer we had a, a rebrand and a, a relaunch last summer um, so we're not quite a year into the shop yet and a, a really nice thing that has happened this year is we've now been asked to three different pop-ups um one in uh, Arles in, in France for their um, photography festival this summer. Uh, there's a, a, 
like a magazine fair called IndieCon that happens in Hamburg. So that's September. And then the same weekend, um, I'm going to be going off to the Bangkok Art Book Fair. Um, and in all of those places, like, you know, we're turning up with our magazines and selling magazines. And, you know, whereas in the past, if I went to um, an event, I was probably going to be talking about magazines, but, you know, the 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 ultimate like message was if this looks interesting subscribe to our service whereas now like you know we turn up somewhere and yeah we of course we want people to subscribe but also if you're interested in this magazine you can just buy a copy from us now so i, I it's, it's really interesting to see the way that um i think the thing that stack does um has changed as a as a result of all of this what do you think it looks like in terms of say revenue split between um the monthly subscriptions and this since you opened the, the online store? Oh, I mean, I, I would guess it at something like 70-30 in favour of the subscriptions. Um, I mean, the, the the subscriptions is the thing that's been running for 11 years. And, you know, I'm very pleased that we've got a, a lot of loyal uh, subscribers who've been with us, if not from the start, then, you know, for a very long time. Uh, and we also have a lot of people who who come to us and, you know, the subscription is what Stack does. The Like, you know, the, the, the kind of the concept of the surprise thing delivered to your door is always the thing that, like, catches people's attention and, and gets them, like, interested. And the shop is really intended just as, like, an extra way to kind of give people a, another option of a, a way to try these magazines. Yeah, I'm sure, I, I don't know if, if the data is available for this type of thing, but I'm sure uh, a lot of the purchases from the store are probably going to be people that are also subscribed as well. Yeah, do you know? So we, we've not we've not done like a, a, a proper survey um, of customers, but we do need to do that at some point. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that wouldn't surprise me. When you're starting to build stack on the side, how were you getting publications interested in, in what you were doing? The way that we've approached everything with stack is always in terms of building on existing communities and trying to like help where we can within that so it, back in the very early days as i said I, you know i'd been writing for little white lies for a, a long time and, and had become friends with them so my first stop when i had this idea was to sit down with danny who was the publisher um, at white lies and say <clears throat> look i'm i've got this idea for making like a, a, a sort of like a way of getting magazines out to people what are the big problems that you face as an independent publisher. But basically, the, the idea would come from, why don't more of my friends, who I know would love this magazine, why aren't they reading it? Um, and I guess my sort of assumption had been that, well, it's a small independent magazine, so they don't have money for like marketing or advertising or whatever. Um, and when I sat down with him, he, he said, well, yeah, yeah, you know, I guess more marketing and advertising would be good, but the real problem is distribution. And distribution is a problem because, um, so like to get, get into like a very naughty and technical bit now. So most magazines are sold on sale or return. So that means that um, you send your magazines out uh, through a distributor and you get paid maybe, I don't know, 40% of cover price um, for however many of them sell. And the ones that don't sell have the cover torn off 
um, to prove that it didn't sell and the covers are sent back to you. So that works well enough when your magazine costs £3.50 and it's got lots of advertising in it because you make your money through advertising. So the main idea is get as many of them out in front of people as possible because then the advertisers are happy. And if you get some money back through cover sales as well, then fantastic. Whereas the majority of the magazines that we work with, you're looking at something which is much more expensive because they don't have advertising in there. And so if you're making a magazine that costs, say, like £12, you need to make sure that those magazines sell so that you get your money back. So that old sale or return model, which is like, you know, a 20th century mainstream magazine publishing model just doesn't work for these independent magazines in the 21st century. And this was something that, like, you know, was the scales like were falling from my eyes. I'd never come across this. And so then when I was going out to um, other publishers and saying, like, okay, you know, I've got this idea. What are the problems that you're facing? This is just something that kept coming up again and again. And just the whole like practical difficulty of taking magazines out to lots of places. You know, if if you're a, a publisher in the UK and say you want to sell in the US, it is not unusual that you'd send your magazines over there, they go on sale for however many months they're going to be on shelf for, and it then, so from the magazines leaving you to the money coming back in, you can wait a year for that to happen. So in that time, you've had to publish maybe two, four or six more issues with none of that money coming into you. So, you know, very early on, we were able to say, okay, so with Stack for the subscription, there's no no sale or return. So we can tell a publisher, this is how many copies we need because this is how many we're sending out. Um, equally, we're able to tell a publisher, um, we will pay you as soon as the magazines reach our warehouse. Because again, there's no need to, to wait around because we've been paid by our subscribers so we can release that money to the publisher. And so by doing all of this, by kind of, by basically going to publishers and saying like, you know, how could we make a service that's really good for you? Um, we're then able to get a much better price from those publishers for those magazines and we're able to pass that uh, saving onto our subscribers. So it, by, by coming at it with, with a complete blank slate and saying like, you know, forget the way that magazines are normally done. If we could like come up with the ideal way to sell magazines, we've managed to do it in a way that works better for the publisher and works better for the reader. And so basically, and, and we can like, you know, still make a business out of it ourselves. So that that's really, that's the, the heart of Stack. It's genius when you think about it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say genius. It's just, the, it just, it, it, it kind of, it kind of um, fell out. So in growing Stack uh, over the years beyond that, obviously you have, and you, you touched on it before about how sort of well-rounded, I suppose you could maybe say your marketing is in terms of what you do. Obviously, you have a really strong social. You have the podcast, Q&As, meet uh, events, sorry, long-form articles, reviews and stuff like that, and awards, of course, the, uh, the annual awards. What would you say has been the most influential on Stack's growth in recent years? Um, so, uh, well, I guess 
to take it it's uh, easy uh, to say yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so my like my uh, job before i started stack was as i say i was a uh, magazine editor i was basically making um, branded content um for various different companies so i've always been very comfortable with the idea of 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 like content marketing and so right from the start of stack we've been making those uh interviews and and like blog posts and things like that with magazine makers and that 11 years worth of stuff is what drives the business today the you know kind of the we we can basically there are four of us who work on stack now um you know we could in theory all take a week off <laughs> like you know all just like set our auto uh like auto out of office auto replies and um, and the business would keep on going because it's got 11 years worth of content that is pointing people to the site. And so every day you've just got people discovering us and, and subscribing. So I think that that's kind of the, the bedrock. Um, in more recent years, the thing that has, um, well, the thing that's become like the, the main focus of our year is the Stack Awards. Um, and so this started uh, five years ago. Um Really, I mean, quite similarly to to the way that, you know, with Stack, I started it because I saw an opportunity and I saw independent um, publishing being underserved uh, by the mainstream. Um, and so similarly with, with awards, there are, um, you know, there are various uh, awards that magazine makers can enter. Um, but generally those awards exist to make money for the organizations that run them which is totally that's absolutely fine um but it means that you know you're going to be paying a hundred odd pounds to enter an award and then if you get shortlisted you're going to be paying maybe a couple of hundred pounds um to go to a black tie uh dinner in like a hotel ballroom and you know for independent publishers that just doesn't work the you know you, you like these people are if they're making uh, a business out of their magazine they're going to find it hard to justify that sort of expense to to keep things going so basically i i wanted to um make a, a magazine awards which were totally accessible and and again like made specifically just for independent publishers um on the flip side, um, I'd been involved with various uh, independent magazine things in the past where, you know, it's like maybe kind of a best of list. So you'd get to the end of the year and you say, okay, you know, who's been really good this year? But that just means that the same stuff comes up because it's the same people you're speaking to and you get together in a room above a pub and decide who it's going to be. And then maybe you publish a blog post about it, which, you know, it's like it's well-intentioned, but it doesn't have that same rigor as a proper award service. So basically my idea was, can you take away the immediate imperative to make money from the awards, run a really excellent awards like system, um, and then hopefully we make money from it in the end because of more people subscribing um, to Stack. And so that, that's what we did. Um, and the first one was 2015. Um, sorry, is that right? Yeah, first one was 2015. Um, 
And it was totally brilliant. And, you know, kind of like people were sort of amazed that there was such a thing as independent magazine awards. So uh, we had... um, Basically, it costs £30 to enter, so, you know, as accessible as we can make it. Um, People send their magazines to us, we shortlist them, we send out a shortlist of magazines to our judges, um, who are selected from all around the world. Um, And then we have our judging uh, session, Uh, we decide who the the winners are going to be, um, and then we have a proper party in London and we hand out lovely trophies. And so that that was kind of like the model all the way through. But year on year, it's grown, it's got better. Um, you know, that, that first year, people were just delighted that the Stack Awards existed as a thing. Uh, and then the second year, we basically did the same thing again. Um, and it had really quickly changed into like, well... Yeah, of course you do this. Like the, you know, of course, of course, there's a magazine awards here, and so actually, the, you know, it made me realise that you can't just like keep doing the same thing. So you you have to keep on improving it. So uh, this year, for the first time, we've always been in like uh, like basements of pubs and stuff before, but so for this year, we're going to be um, in Somerset House, um, so big venue in London. That's also where we're based and they're like very supportive. Um, But we're going to have like lovely big rooms looking out over the river. Uh, We're going to have our trophies again. We've got sponsors involved this time. So we're going to be giving out prize money as well as um, the trophies. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm like really excited for this one. The uh, entries will open in July. um, And yeah, I've I've got my fingers crossed for, uh, for lots of entries for that. If anybody's listening that would like to enter, what's the best way to do so? Uh, so go to stackmagazines.com forward slash awards um, and you can see uh, on their basic information about the awards and what we've done in the past. Uh, and then, as I say, the um, entries will go live in July. And so from that point, you will also be able to um, enter your, your magazine from there. Perfect. So, yeah, it must be quite difficult, to be fair, to directly correlate increased subscriptions to that directly but do you feel as if you are getting a good return on that that award ceremony year on year i mean it's that yeah you're right that is very difficult um and so honestly i i couldn't say that you know kind of we we see a return in subscriptions we definitely see I mean, that is our busiest time of the year. The, we, we see the most traffic through the blog um, and basically the idea is always that um, Christmas is our biggest time of the year for sales, as you'd expect. Um, Stack is the sort of thing that people like to give as a gift. So by having the awards in November, that is conveniently at the end of the year. So you can have, you know, like a, a 12 months worth of stuff, which is most of those 12 months were in this calendar year. Um, but it also means that we're getting a lot of attention in the build up to Christmas when people are thinking about gifts. And so we try to kind of like jump straight from that into the, the Christmas period. Feels like a lot of astute decisions are made in this business. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> a lot of accidents <laughs> are happening. Oh, is it so. just happy accidents? <laughs> okay, cool. So with Stack, we've talked a lot about gone well because obviously it's a, a successful business that's grown seemingly year on year. Going back to the question that you asked your friend from. Little White Lies, I think mm, it was. Mm. 
what are some of the biggest challenges or what have been some of the biggest challenges to stack? And if, if, if there may be previous challenges, how did you overcome them or address them? Yeah, I mean, so I would say one of the biggest ones at the, at the start was time. Um, you know, where basically it, I, I, would, I would find that I could, you know, so I was doing like one day a week um, and getting to a certain point, but would just be plagued by the thought of just think what I could do with two days a week. And then you're two days a week, you're plagued by the thought of, oh, just think what I could do with three. And then at full time, you're thinking, just think what I could do with a member of staff to like, you know, an editor had to, to help with this. So the, for a long time, that was um, like the big problem. Um, but I, I mean, like, as I say, there's four of us now. I think that this is about, right for like you know the i think that we can get the stuff done that we need to get done and like when the awards comes in we like we bring somebody in to to work on uh, on the awards and so that, that you know that feels about right i would say a, another problem that has existed from the start and, it, and is absolutely uh, a problem now um is just awareness you know like how do you get the the the, the word out about Stack to the right sort of people who are going to be interested in subscribing. And that is just like, that's really difficult. You know, the, the, like Stack has been enabled by the internet and the fact that these days, you know, virtually anyone can start something up uh, on a shoestring and, and like, you know, like just work really hard at it to try and make it work. But the problem with that is that like there's so many people doing it and there are so many people making really great content and, and putting it out there. So um, yeah, it is, it is really hard work um, cutting through and first of all, reaching the right people and then persuading them to spend some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I can appreciate that. So would you say that pretty much it's always been a case of... Um, getting subscribers has been more of a challenge than the actual publications themselves. I mean, we, so we don't have any problem with finding interesting magazines. The, like, you know, we're very lucky. We've like, we've kind of grown up at the same time as the sort of like independent publishing scene. Um, and so, yeah, there are like lots of really good magazines and like we have to work well in advance we, we tend to work about six months ahead of time um and you know like we plan very carefully and all the rest of it but no that that's not normally a problem um the problem is definitely on the side of reaching yeah as i say reaching the right people mm. and so with that problem the way you're addressing it at the moment i'm guessing it's just kind of everything we've spoken about already in terms of content marketing and things like that do you do much in the way of paid ads or anything like that we do a bit like we so we'll run campaigns around specific things um, on Facebook and Instagram, um, but you know they they are they're small like they're, they're they're small things. We have flyers that go out with other magazines, uh, which tend to do quite well in terms of a conversion rate. But you're talking about like you know a few thousand people that you're reaching. So again. It, it's never going to be a huge number of people. Like every now and then we'll get something like The Guardian puts us in their Christmas gift guide or uh, I was 
uh, interviewed for a, a BBC Two uh, documentary, and like you know, the, something like that falls out of the sky, and you see a fantastic uh, response. But that's the sort of thing that you just can't, you know, you, you can put yourself in the right position so that if someone is going to make that documentary, they come and talk to you. But you, you know, you you can't you can't control that sort of thing. Just you wait to see the spike in subscription. Have you ever thought to yourself, because obviously print um, uh, indie magazines and things like that is a bit of a niche interest, isn't it? It's um, very niche. It, absolutely. Uh, it, it feels like it, it's, I mean, actually, before I ask this question, what's, what's your opinion in terms of like the market for it uh, over the course of the years uh, since 2008? Do you have any sort of a broad view on how interest in indie publications has been? Is it growing now? Or? I feel like there is a much greater awareness of independent magazines as a thing now. Um, so, you know, back when I started, uh, I again, like, you know, I was writing my business plan. So I, was, I did what the advice told me and I, I did a survey uh, where I went and stood in uh, Spitalfields in London for a weekend and stopped people who were walking by and asked them about independent magazines. And I'd say most people were like, oh, independent magazines, you, you mean like Vice magazine? What I mean, like, you know, Vice is a, a multinational corporation. They're, you know, like... Uh, they're not they're not really what you'd think of as independent. Whereas I think if I did that now, it'd be much more likely that people would be coming up with, um, oh you oh you mean like delayed gratification or the gentlewoman or or like you know the gourmand like these magazines that have uh, emerged in in the intervening time. So yeah, I, I think that more like more people are more aware of independent magazines as a thing, but. You're absolutely right in saying that it's a very, very niche interest, and it, it always will be. You know, the 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 very definition of these magazines means that they're never going to be uh, like mainstream. Uh, and actually, I think that's that's part of the appeal. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always going to be a relatively small market. But I think that you know, look, we're a very small organisation. And if we can do a good enough job of reaching all of the people who are interested in these kind of magazines, uh, you know, not even in the world, but, you know, sort of like in UK, Europe and USA, uh, which are our, like, they're our biggest, like, kind of territories, um, that's more than enough people for us to run a, a, a decent little business from. Definitely. Yeah, I was going to say, so it's it's like two sides of a coin, isn't it? It's like on the one hand, it is a very niche interest and market, but on the other, it's probably a very like uh, impassioned market. So that the people within that niche are very, very interested in that product. Mm, mm. Do you have any idea of attrition rate with regard to uh, subscribers, like how many tend to roll off? Uh, yeah, it's, I know that it's more than I'd like. Uh, I actually don't have a number for it. Um, I, look, I mean, being realistic, the, when when people uh, cancel their subscription, we always ask, you know, kind of why um, are you cancelling? Um, and the most common reasons are um, that people don't have the time um, to read the magazines uh, or that their circumstances have changed and, you know, maybe they can't afford it anymore or they're moving away. Um, I'm sure that within that, there's a lot of people being polite 
um, because there are relatively, well, there are very few who say, I just don't like the magazines. But I'm like totally realistic about the fact that, look, this is a surprise magazine subscription. You're you're going out on a bit of a limb. You're taking a punt. Uh, you, you're not going to like everything. We actually have a... Um, a sort of like a rule whereby uh, all of our subscribers um, are entitled to one swap per year. So if you contact us and say, oh, we just, I'm, I'm sorry, I just do not like this one, that's fine. We'll find something else uh, from the warehouse uh, and we'll send you that like free of charge, no questions, because, you know, totally get it. It's, it's not going to be right for everyone. Um, so, yeah, it's... A, the attrition uh, is higher than uh, I would like it, but that's probably because I want zero uh, attrition. I was going to say, it's always going to be higher. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's also something that I think we have to be realistic about and it is integral to the business, inherent to the business. Yeah, of course. I mean, every business has an attrition rate. Exactly. Have you ever heard, just by the way, have you ever heard of a podcast app called Wilson FM? No. Because I think you potentially would be interested in it because it's just a very similar setup for podcasts. Because it's like a, a weekly curated list of podcasts, basically. Right. If somebody has started their own magazine, what do you look for in a, in a magazine that you would like to distribute? So it's always the idea. There's, there's always... Uh, e- either it's someone who is talking about something that I've never come across before, or they're talking about something that might be familiar, but they're doing it in a way that I've not seen before. Um, and I think that, you know, coming back to the person who uh, is probably doing this in their spare time, they've been working all day, they get home and they open their laptop and start again. That's the thing that is driving that person to create something. And that's the thing that I think just jumps off the page. Like When you find somebody who has had the idea, has got completely obsessed by it, and then has figured out a way of communicating that on the page, like that's where I start to get interested. And I mean, you know, the, unfortunately the idea is not enough and you you also need to figure out, you know, sort of like the design, the editing, how you're gonna print the thing and like all, all of these like very difficult questions, but without the idea there's nothing. So so that's that's always the thing that I that I look for and get excited about. Thank you very much for your time. We'll wrap it up there. But where would be the best place to find out more about Stack? Uh, come to stackmagazines.com. Simple as. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your time today, Steve. I really, really appreciate it. Cheers, Andy. Thanks for uh, taking the time to speak. I hope you found today's episode valuable. As I mentioned earlier, it would mean a lot if you could leave a review on iTunes or share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in touch with any questions or feedback, feel free to drop me an email on andy at activeaccounts.co.uk. 